Welcome to Think Yourself Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Duranja. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, cognitive behavior specialist, personal trainer, and recovering perfectionist turned professional half-asser. Thanks for being here and for taking the journey with me from surviving to thriving. Let's dive in with today's episode. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have a very special guest with us. Her name is Katrina Kofed. She is a plant-based health coach at Passion for Plants who specializes in helping women break up with emotional eating, master metabolism for fat loss without fad diets, and create healthy habits that last for life. She has a background in biology, Uh, psychology, and fitness, and is currently studying a master's in human nutrition at the University of Copenhagen. She emphasizes a sustainable approach to healthy living that values emotional and mental well-being as much as physical health. She wants to empower women to unlock optimal health and vibrance so that they can have the energy and confidence to step into their highest selves. Oh my gosh, Katrina, I absolutely love that introduction. It is beautiful and so much in alignment with my philosophies and practices and really exciting to see someone like yourself go above and beyond when it comes to education to cover all of the bases when it comes to the whole mind, body, soul component because ultimately they're all integrated. And I think a lot of times when we think about health and well-being, specifically nutrition, we're only approaching it for one perspective. And the reality is in order for it to be something that's going to serve your overall well-being, it's not just a one-size-fit-all approach. There's so many components that have to be taken into consideration. So I adore the work you're doing and the commitment to your education So thank you for being here with us today and um, tell the audience a little bit about you and who you are and what brought you to this point. Well, thank you so much for that introduction, Heather. You are so sweet. And I love, that's why I really resonate with what you do and your philosophy because you're one of the few, you know, registered dietitians because you are an RD who I follow that is very much about like the, the mind body perspective as well, you know, and like you were saying, it's, nutrition just tends to be very narrow and and focused just on on like the physical health and that's what i learned throughout my undergrad Mm -hmm. i initially started out studying biology and i was like cool i want to study nutrition and then as i just as i grew you know i was double majoring so it took me four and a half years to finish my undergrad so as i was experiencing my own i guess struggles at that time i was teaching group fitness classes so i was very like entrenched in the fitness industry too i was like fitness and nutrition are like the tip of the iceberg. They're like the top like 20% of the bucket when it comes to overall health. It's like you can have you can have the best workout plan. You can be eating super healthy, super clean on paper, right? Which I'm so over the term clean eating anyway. So done with it. And I used to say it all the time and I'm like you're so like you're so annoying. Like cut it out, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's just like, so I learned throughout that whole experience and I, I struggled with like orthorexic eating patterns and just disordered eating, which led me into like four years of emotional eating. So through my own experience, my own struggles, I was like, I look like the picture of health on the outside, 
but my mental health is completely messed up because of my relationship with food and my body image. And not only that, but because I was like, I'm a very type A, very motivated person. So I burnt myself the heck out, which meant I was struggling with adrenal fatigue for like a year and a half. So I was like, I look super healthy and fit on the outside, but on the inside, it's like a completely different game. And that was what really between like the emotional eating and just like disordered eating patterns and then like adrenal fatigue, I was really like, okay, there is so much more to this. And I still want to study nutrition because I think it's a great entry point like a great gateway into learning more about, about mental health and about emotional health and about how all of that hangs together um, to, to really, you know, get you to your optimal health. It's not, it is like, like I said, it's a 20% tip of the iceberg. So Absolutely. it's really exciting to be at this point. And I'm really grateful to have had, you know, different professional and like personal and educational experiences because it's given me such a broad spectrum to, I guess, to inform my philosophy now. Yeah, that's fabulous. And, and I, I love that you recognize the importance of that. And you have the ability to be transparent and authentic about your experience and what mm -hmm. led you to this epiphany and realization that it's so much more than what we focus on when it comes mm -hmm. to wellness. I know for myself, my journey started with nutrition by getting diagnosed with mm -hmm. a kidney disease at 18, not being able to get health insurance having doctors tell me that I was looking at dialysis or transplant within the next five years and thinking to myself, those aren't possibilities. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. And I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself back in that at that time because, um, I, I was not a good student. Yeah. Well, did not come natural to me. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I had to invest energy into learning what I could do in order to have better outcomes and not be facing potentially death at, you know, 23 years old. I mean, that's just frightening. Yeah. And so, um, again, the journey started with nutrition. But then I realized throughout the journey, it was so much bigger than just nutrition. Like you said. I got diagnosed in 2011 with cervical cancer. And at that time I had the nutrition, I had the exercise. How does this happen to a person like me? But the reality is I did not have stress management down. I, my perfectionism was through the roof at that time. Mm -hmm. I was being single mom, raising two teenage daughters, working full time as a dietitian, getting a master's. There was oh my goodness. so much going on. And the reality is, we have to look at the big picture mm -hmm. and yes, nutrition and exercise were sustaining me, but they weren't putting me in a place to optimize my health and having an autoimmune condition. I was more susceptible to having other things, um, you know, break down, present, mm -hmm. um, as a result of not controlling stress, not getting appropriate sleep overutilizing caffeine, having gut health that got out of whack because of stress and caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, and, and ultimately that really opened up the door for me to say, you know, there's something missing here and I have to, um, I have to basically formulate, formulate a new approach to what this whole health and wellness thing actually means. And I also want to speak to you really quickly um, the point that you brought up about me being a registered dietitian and 
embracing the practices that I do because they aren't traditional with the kind of education that I received. And I truly went into undergrad with the knowing that what I was going to be taught wasn't in alignment with what I knew actually worked and that it was important for me to be able to go through the process get my registration so I could become a licensed registered dietitian and then be able to practice the evidence-based practices that felt in alignment with what I know works when it comes to overall health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And I started practicing clinically and it was really disturbing, you know, being in the clinical field and being mandated to specific practices that did not align with my recommendations. And so ultimately, I was held to a standard that was not my belief system. And so ultimately, I had to take the chance, the risk of leaving the security of being in a clinical field to actually start a private practice that allowed me to further my education. Um, The master's that I got really specializes in that cognitive behavior therapy component, Mm -hmm. health communications, being able to understand the barriers that keep people from being able to take the education piece of what are you supposed to eat? What are you supposed to do for exercise and meld them together to formulate a plan that's going to set them up for success. And I feel so blessed to be in a position where as a registered dietitian, I can own my own private practice and empower people based off of the evidence that I support in terms of being able to achieve overall health and well-being and see so many people thrive. And it's literally taking them from that surviving to thriving piece. You know, that's, yeah. that's where all the joy really, truly. Yeah. Comes. And that is so powerful. And I mean, just knowing that I was kind of faced with the same dilemma that you described. It was mm-hmm. like, do I decide to go the RD path? Mm-hmm. So I can at least have the certification because, you know, here in the U S it's like pretty important that you have that. Like we know nutritionists are not held. They're not viewed in the same way as RDs for good reason, because basically anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, Right. So it is, it is a big choice, but that was kind of my dilemma too. I was like, do I, can I do it? And I was like, no, I sat through four and a half years of this and my, my pre-med biology, like bachelor's, right. I was like, I can't, I can't do like a couple more years of this. So luckily something else worked out. Yeah. Well, that's great. And it's great that you were able to recognize that early on, instead of forcing yourself to have to go down a pathway, because that's what you felt you were supposed to do. That didn't feel in alignment. I think it's really a shame that there's so much divide in in the U.S. specifically when it comes to our food manufacturing and health and wellness practices and recommendations. I will never um, regret going through my undergrad and mm-hmm. going through my internship to become a registered dietitian because I did learn so many things, but most importantly, I learned where all of the barriers lie within Mm -hmm. clinical practices. And that allows me to be able to come at individuals from a place of recognizing the struggle, recognizing where the barriers are, and then be able to guide them in a way that's gonna support their journey and really be able to embrace the holistic practices. 
it's a shame that in the US, we really um, are heavily reliant upon the quick fix, the Band-Aid approach where yep. we take the pill, we get the diagnosis, we get the diagnosis, we take the pill, that helps with the initial problem, but then we have nine other secondary issues that start presenting that now we yes. need more medication for. And over decades of this, the body just degrades. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I found out this morning that my mother is in the hospital. Um, oh my goodness. She went to the hospital presenting with severe abdominal pain and rectal bleeding. I don't know what is going on with her because with this whole COVID thing, mm. once you are admitted into the ER, you no longer have any family advocating for your, oh, man. Yeah. which is really unfortunate because my mother really struggles at recalling memory mm -hmm. as a result from being on pres prescriptive medications for decades mm -hmm. and having such a negative impact on her digestive health and mm -hmm. digestive function. And we've got this mind gut, you know, correlation and it's real life. Like mm -hmm. my mom is the product of mm -hmm. being heavily medicated for decades. And now, you know, I have my ideas of what's probably happening with her, but I can't communicate with her. I can't talk with her. I can't be there with her. Um, so it's going to be curious. It's going to be interesting to see how these next few days play out with her. Yeah, it's actually it's very frightening. It's yeah, frightening. that's terrifying. Well, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. I really hope that I don't know if they have any cell phone communication. Problem. Well, I can call her room, which I will. But again, yeah. my mother has such difficulty with mm -hmm. memory recall. She's right. Not going to be able to relate to me clinically. Gosh, what that's so what tough. They're doing, you know. All yeah. You need to talk to like the doctor or a yeah. nurse. Yeah. yeah. And of course I'm going to have to jump through the hoops and get right. Right. And I think that that's one of the most frustrating things about our medical system in the United States is that, um, we truly, we truly are a victim of circumstance. Mm -hmm. If we don't know how to advocate for ourselves, we just accept whatever they tell us. And we go from there. And I'm going to give you um, a quick story about what I recently experienced. So I was hospitalized a few weeks ago, presented to the ER with severe abdominal pain, abdominal pain, um, projectile vomiting, and diarrhea like I've never experienced in my life. I wow. have extremely high pain tolerance. Mm -hmm. This is very unusual for me to be like, hey, I need to go to the ER. Yeah. The ER, you know, my, my roommate who drove me there couldn't come in. I was on my own. I was in so much freaking pain. I was like, just let me sign whatever I need to sign so that I can get in there and get the help that I need. And, um, as I went through this process, ultimately I recognized how, what victims we actually become because we are so dependent upon trusting that they have our best interest at heart. We're so desperate for relief that we are like, just help me. Just mm -hmm. whatever you say, I need the help. And when you don't have other people there being able to advocate and speak and ask questions for you, that's where a lot of problems really. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, Ultimately, I had CAT scans, I had ultrasounds done. They came back to me and said, it looks like you have an ovarian cyst that ruptured and um, that's why you experienced XYZ. 
So they sent me home and they said, you know, we want you to follow up with a gynecologist. Well, back in November, I had been diagnosed with cervical cancer again. And so I wasn't in alignment with the diagnosis and the, um, the prognosis or the steps that they wanted to take. Okay. So I started seeking out, um, getting a health insurance plan that was going to allow me the freedom I needed to be able to seek the professionals that mm -hmm. I felt would be able to help me. So back to this ER situation, they send me home. I get a phone call from the radiologist a couple hours later and they're like, well, it looks like you might've contracted like some virus in the last couple of weeks and you're whole colon on the right side is inflamed. It looks like you have colitis. And I'm thinking to myself, what? Okay. So at this point, I've got two different diagnoses, right? So I go follow up with the gynecologist. She reads the CAT scans, reads the ultrasounds, reads my blood work. And she's like, well, this really looks like you probably passed a kidney stone. There's no evidence of having ovarian cysts. Um, as far as your, your colon goes, it might've been inflamed because you were passing the kidney stone. So I'm like, okay, great. So now I follow up with the nephrologist, right? So I go to the nephrologist and the nephrologist is like, hey, there is no evidence of you having any kind of kidney stone. Um, your blood work, your kidney function is impeccable. She's like, honestly, you are the healthiest patient I have. She's in complete disbelief that I have been able to manage this chronic you know, life-altering disease mm -hmm. through lifestyle practices over the last 25 years. So basically, she looks at me and says, and this was just the other day, she says, it's a mystery what happened to you. Like, we have no clue whatever happened. And so luckily, I'm an individual who um, is proactive, has a really solid understanding of physiology and mm -hmm. the clinical components of this. And um, then I get a phone call from the gynecologist saying, and by the way, you do not have cervical cancer. Okay. So basically I am the picture of health. There is no explanation for what I experienced that evening. I have, I have my own ideas. Yeah. I'm going to do a whole podcast around this uh, concept of basically my body physically manifesting symptoms because mm -hmm. I wasn't in alignment with certain things that were happening in my life at the moment. And um, so anyway, it's been a really interesting several weeks, but the reality is if I didn't have a solid basis and understanding of how the system works, I would be like completely devastated going, mm -hmm. oh, what is happening with me? I yeah. don't believe, I don't know what to understand, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so again, this is a totally a testament to, it's a guessing game. And mm -hmm. it's a guessing game, right? Definitely. And I think that's, I mean, one, that story is crazy, but how many other people have similar stories, right? Where they've received one diagnosis and then get like four others the next two weeks. Right. And I think that's what, you know, you and I have luckily have a background in, in biology and physiology and nutrition, like you said, and like understand the clinical workings of things, right. but the majority of the population has very little understanding of just like our human physiology, just like what goes on inside your, your intestines and inside your gut, for instance, right? Like how do your organs work together? Most people have absolutely no clue, which makes sense. Cause if you've never studied it, like how would you know? Right. right. But it means that 
you know, people put kind of, like you said, like this almost blind trust because we've been raised with that throughout like the, the, you know, late 19, 1900s, basically right. to be like, doctors are, they know everything right. and modern medicine is so incredible and there are so many miracles with it. But mm -hmm. I think we've come to conflate it with, we know absolutely everything. Everyone has everything under control. Every diagnosis is 100% correct. Right. Every choice is the best thing. And it's like, it's, it's just not the case at all. And I think that blind trust and blind faith, and, and like you said, you know, that would have been devastating to someone else because we have that blind faith in, in, you know, our physicians or, and it's not to, to put any blame on anyone, you know, how could you, when you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, how could anyone expect to give a 100% accurate diagnosis all the time? You're just doing the best with the information you have at hand, right? Absolutely. So, but it's just crazy to think that there's so many people who would be so strongly affected by that because it's like, you don't have any other options. This is what the person who's supposed to know what they're talking about says. And right. then another person who knows what they're talking about says something completely different. Like in your case, you know, luckily you're, you're a health professional. So you're like, okay, I can like take all this with a grain of salt. Right. But the average person, like you said, would be devastated by that. Absolutely. I love the fact that you, you know, speak to the blind trust because ultimately that is where we make our first mistake. We blindly trust that whatever is happening in our medical system and also with our USDA, FDA recommendations that they truly have our best interest at heart. And unfortunately, that's not the case. Really what it boils down to is um, profit margin. Yes. We are a commodity, right? We are yes. a commodity and we we are able to uh, provide lots and lots of profit to these agendas at hand. And so when we can recognize that and realize, wait a minute, maybe I need to take a step back and ask myself some really hard questions like, do I need to find an advocate who can help me navigate all of this? That I think is like the, the most important piece. I lost my dad a little over a decade ago. Unfortunately, um, I buried him on what would have been his 54th birthday. And he succumbed to um, basically, ultimately he died from complications of liver disease from lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. And he was an alcoholic and um, developed cirrhosis, developed it, well, he found out too late. It had already, go, it had already gone into cancer. But the reality mm -hmm. is the healthcare system looked at this man and they said, he's an alcoholic. He did this to himself, you know? So therefore, we're just going to put him through the process of treating what needs to be treating and not really advocating for his better well-being. And ultimately, um, he ended up dying. He had um, internal bleeding and was sent to the ER. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to intercept the ambulance before it got to the hospital because I would have taken him directly to the hospital that he needed to go instead of a small town hospital where the ER doctor ultimately made the call, judged my father from his medical history and said, you know, I'm going to let this man bleed out. I'm not going to transport him to the hospital where he could have the surgery performed. And that was really hard to um, accept. I was very angry. I was very angry because I knew exactly what was happening. And most people don't have someone in their corner who understands how it works and mm -hmm. what questions to ask and where to 
intercept and say, nope, it's not going that way. I'm physically removing this man and taking him in my car and taking him to the place that needs to, um, you know, he needs to be to be able to get the care he needs. So I think that ultimately when we are faced with diagnoses and, um, not just to accept it and to really do our homework, invest in finding someone who can advocate for us and explain the information. I think that particularly, practitioners like you and I, whom have invested significant time, energy, and resources into expanding our knowledge base outside of just one discipline, because we recognize the correlation of how the systems all work together, mm -hmm. mind, body, soul. They are all integrated. We have to accept that as the reality. And so we can't compartmentalize it, which is the way that I feel Western medicine really approaches our health and well-being is from a very individualized, compartmentalized, it's your heart, it's your lungs, it's your liver, it's your kidneys, it's your mental health, it's your stomach. No, 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 no. It's like dominoes. And when <laughs> one goes down, boom, they all go down, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have found as a practitioner, especially in clinical practice, like let's use someone with metabolic disorder. They go to the doctor, they get diagnosed with medical or metabolic disorder. They're told you're obese, you have dysregulation of lipids, your blood sugar levels are, you know, dysregulated and you, um, um, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, now you're susceptible to having kidney failure, liver failure, da, 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 da. And this individual is like, okay, so I have to follow a heart diet. I have to follow a diabetes diet. I'm overweight, so I need to figure out how to lose weight. And they become so overwhelmed because they're mm -hmm. approaching it from such a compartmentalized perspective that the reality is, no, we can approach this from a place that's going to cover all of the bases mm -hmm. and allow for each part to start being supported and then they all come back into alignment. You know what I mean? Yeah. That for me was so frustrating working in clinical uh, practices, seeing how confused people get because patients yeah. are so compartmentalized. Right. And just the lack of communication too, between the different professionals that someone with metabolic syndrome would have to see, right? Like they're not talking to each other. Like you said, they're recommending one diet, one, one doctor or one professional saying one thing, you know, you have to take these medications and you need to do this type of exercise and you need to eat these kinds of foods and you have to like measure your blood sugar. Like how is anyone, especially someone with those types of health issues anyway, they probably don't have that much energy, right? They're probably not feeling great in their body it takes so much like mental energy for even someone like you or I to try to figure out like, what am I supposed to do with all this information? Someone who has no familiarity with, with health or wellness or a healthy lifestyle, how on earth are they supposed to tackle that? You know, it's just, like you said, it's just really not setting people up for success. And I think one of the things when, when I was working in a clinic, it was very much like I was shocked to see how little communication there was that was understandable for the patient. Right. You know, so you hear a health, you know, a doctor or a nurse practitioner tell them something and they're like, okay, so I need to do this. And it's like, did you actually, you know, understand like what's going on here? Like we, you know, you're, you're talking to the patient, but that doesn't mean that you're communicating with them. And there's just so much to be said too, just for 
I think, you know, like you said, health professionals and, and medical practitioners, they're so compartmentalized and they are so brilliant and know so much that they, you know, we, and we all do this. We tend to assume that everyone knows what we know. So right. of course, if I'm explaining this to you, of course it's going to make sense, but it takes that kind of, it takes that empathy and just those like communication skills to be able to be like, Hey, this person probably has no familiarity with what type two diabetes looks like, what that lifestyle to, to treat it and to reverse the symptoms look like. I need to speak to them at an entry level in a way that they're going to understand, you know? So there's just so many pieces throughout the whole puzzle where it's like, we need to come together to one, communicate with patients better and two, just create a, a broader understanding. Like you were saying earlier of looking at the body as one system, like organs aren't, they're not just like floating in space. Like they're all connected in our body. Like, why do we think that they wouldn't have an impact on each I other? I know. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting to me to think how basic, you know, our understanding as a whole when it comes to health and wellness, how basic and misunderstood it truly is, which is the whole reason why I named this podcast, Think Yourself Healthy, that we have to change the approach we mm -hmm. take when it comes to our health and wellness, because what we're doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. Heart disease continues to rise. Diabetes continues to rise. Obesity continues to rise. We're having more digestive disorders than ever mm -hmm. in the history of history. And so it's like, if all of this was actually working, we would really be seeing some improvement and we're not. And I find that with most individuals, um, polypharmacia is really, really a problem. So to speak to what you were mentioning earlier, we have such a disconnect with professionals speaking to one another. The doctor or the patient like myself, you know, with what I experienced over these mm -hmm. last few weeks, I've got a gastroenterologist, a nephrologist, a gynecologist, an internist um, that I'm having to go and communicate to. Luckily, I have the means of basically delivering the information that is very much right. for them to understand the picture. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have that ability. Therefore, they tell the doctor, they describe their symptoms. The doctor says, here's a medication you can take. Then they go to the next one. And then they say, here's a medication you can take. And then the next one. And unfortunately, they're not communicating amongst one another. And a lot of these medications that are being prescribed contradict one another and create really massive problems. And I know working in um, like skilled facilities and long-term care facilities, that's where I really saw a lot of polypharmacia abuse happening mm -hmm. and people being on too many medications that were having contradictory effects that were really degrading the individual's prognosis very quickly. And the reality was, let's take some of this medication away and we're gonna see a huge improvement in all of these problems. I had a 20, well, she was 25 at the time when she um, came to uh, work with me. And I'm going to be sharing her story. I, I got some really amazing video documentary from her story. Um, but she was 25 years old. And at this point, she had seven diagnoses of autoimmune disorder, plus depression and anxiety. She was on 27 medications when she came to see me. And over, you know, about a year, um, we were able to completely change her lifestyle practices, get her off all but one of her medications, which was her, um, which is her 
um, uh, it's her um, immunosuppressant. And so to see firsthand her story and her experience of this journey and the person that she is today versus the person that she was when this started, she was 30 pounds heavier than what she should have been as a direct result from inflammation that was being created in her gut, spreading systemically throughout her body from the side effects of these medications. And so to see her be able to get off all of the medications, lose the weight, improve her energy, improve her mood, no longer suffer from anxiety, no longer suffer from depression, being able to live her best life is like, oh, it's yeah. like literally, oh my gosh. And the reality is we all have the same potential. Mm -hmm. We all have the same potential. It's just a matter of us determining that we have to look outside of the box and maybe take a different approach. Definitely. That is such a powerful story. And, you know, to be able to achieve all of that within a year, that's saying a lot for how much she had to one, be, like you said, think outside the box and be, be willing to try something new. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's so much power in looking into how can lifestyle practices help you improve your, your health and reverse your conditions or your symptoms if you do have any. Right. right. And, but looking at too, like, it is not, like you said earlier, it's, the the medication is the quick fix right so this isn't going to be easy per se it is going to be very re rewarding but you're you're kind of the only way out is through and you're going to have to go through at some point anyway so you can go through now and like make it your choice or you can go through in 20 years when you you know you've suffered from being on medications and you're feeling absolutely awful and and just horrible in your body and mm -hmm. and really struggle that way so it's like are you willing to be proactive, like you were mentioning earlier too, right? And I think that's important because a lot of the time I think maybe, you know, on Instagram, for instance, or on social media, it's like, oh, just take care of your lifestyle. And it's so easy. And it, it can be very easy once you get into the swing of things. But I also think it's important to acknowledge that, especially if you aren't already in the habit of doing a lot of these things, it can be challenging and that's okay. But it's, I would rather be straightforward with people than kind of gloss over that fact and pretend like it's always like a piece of cake, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I think being able to um, evaluate expectation, be mm -hmm. realistic with what is achievable in a, you know, um, timely fashion is so important for our success. Um, I'll, oh gosh, with Instagram, it's such a love-hate relationship because unfortunately I'm a health practitioner, right? So a lot of the people that I follow are nutrition and fitness-based and mm -hmm. I get so frustrated when I pull up Instagram and my feed starts, you know, filtering through and I'm seeing and I'm just like, ah, ah, you know, so frustrating because the reality is that this is not a cookie cutter, one size fit all type of approach. Mm -hmm. And the reality is each individual has completely different physiology. They have completely different environmental circumstances. They have completely different mindset and narratives that they've developed over their lifetime. So where you start with that person is going to be completely different than maybe their husband or yeah. their wife, you know, like this isn't like a, Hey, Karen, 
here's what works for the world, you know, it really does have to be individualized based on every single person's circumstances. And what I have found through practice is that more often than less, less is more. <laughs> less is more. And the more that we can surrender and let go and realize that um, there, we have all of these narratives and stories that are holding us back from actually being successful, um, that's when we can truly empower ourselves and step up to our ability to take action and control of our life and be able to achieve the desired goals, which for almost everyone is longevity and vitality. Yeah, definitely. And that's so true. And I think I I did a masterclass last night and I was talking about this. I was like, it is not about making it more complicated. It's not about having the most complex workout routine, having the most like intricate smoothie recipe. You know, it's not like cut the bullshit. You know what I mean? Like those are great things. If you want to experiment and you're coming from, you're coming at it from a place of this is interesting and fun for me. If you're coming at it from a place of like, Oh, so-and-so does this. So-and-so who I follow on Instagram does this. So I have to do it too. Like stop. Right. It's like, it can be so simple. And like you, you're saying less is more choose the few habits that you know are going to make you feel good. And my big thing is consistency. Same. You need to stick with it. People are like, Oh, this program didn't work for me. This diet didn't work for me. And I'm like, how long did you do it? Right. Like, Oh, like two weeks. I'm like, okay, there's your problem. Like choose one thing. I know there's so many options, but we gotta just like stay, you know, just stay laser focused and just try to put your blinders on. A hundred percent. I like to use the analogy of cookie recipes, like chocolate chip cookie recipes. There are hundreds of thousands of different recipes out there. Every single one of them works, but Mm -hmm. you have to follow the recipe and you have to be consistent with the measurements and the temperature and the ingredients. You can't just pick and choose, well, I'm going to pick a few things from this recipe and a few things from this one and a few things from this one and expect to yield the same cookie. It's just not going to happen. So I get really frustrated in the sense that um, people lack self-trust. So because they lack trust within themselves, it makes it very difficult for them to hire, follow guidance from a specific person. I know that when someone decides that they want to work with me, I am very, very clear. Look, I am going to be your only source of knowledge in the sense that I'm going to make recommendations to you and I expect you to follow the recommendations. If you're going to go out and seek other professionals to assist you in this process, we're screwing up the recipe and the results are not going to be the same. We have to control the variables. And so I feel it's really important for someone. I will not work with anyone unless it's a minimum 12 week commitment Mm -hmm. because we can't see any kind of results less than that time frame. Just working through the mindset components of what it takes to be able to set ourselves up for success with healthy and consistent lifestyle takes a minimum of 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Reality is based longer, on- Longer, you know, much longer. Narratives, you know, we could be right. a whole lot longer. Yeah. But- um, but to at least get started and make yeah, some decent yeah. like initial progress. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have to be trusting. I tell people- you know, it's kind of like finding a gynecologist 
you have to find a practitioner whom you can feel comfortable being transparent, mm -hmm. authentic, bearing all, getting up in those stirrups and being, yeah. here I am, help me out. Yeah. It's, you got to be vulnerable. And if you're not yeah. willing to be vulnerable, then you're not willing to um, invest in the process and actually get the results that we desire. And I find that most people fail because ultimately underneath it all, they truly don't think they are worthy and deserving of living the kind of life that they actually desire. And so when that is our root cause, there's a lot of layers that have to be mm -hmm. pulled back and uncovered to be able to undo that mindset and that way of thinking to allow ourselves to receive all of the abundance and goodness that is truly we are worthy and deserving of having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that I'm so glad you bring that up. And that's part of why I love your philosophy so much because you focus so much on the mindset piece of it. And I, in my own practice, you know, that's something I bring in with my one-on-one -on -one clients is I have, we talk a lot about mindset and, you know, how do you develop, like, how do you develop a gratitude practice? If that's not already part of it, like, what is your narrative now? How can we take small steps for you to improve that? Because like you're saying, if you don't feel, you know, a lot of my clients, they really struggle with body image. Mm -hmm. So that comes from, again, that lack of self-trust, not feeling like you're worthy, um, not just be loving yourself and accepting yourself for who you are. That's a whole different ball game, you know, can of worms that we have to unpack and work through. And I'm really getting to the point where I'm like, I, it needs to be almost a bigger piece of, of my work with my one-on-one -on -one clients than, you know, physical health habits, because as important as all those are, if you are feeling awful about your body, what you're doing and you know, you're making all this progress on, on paper, right? But you're feeling awful about it because you're like, I'm not in my final destination in the months. You know, we, something's got to give. Like I always, I say that I really do feel like mental health and emotional, like how you're feeling about yourself and about the way you are in the world is more important than physical health. Because if you have that, it is going to be so much easier to step into the habits and the lifestyle that will empower your physical health. Right. I agree so much. With my coaching, um, <laughs> it's never failed. Every single person whom I've worked with has come to me at the end and said, you know, like, so this really wasn't what I was expecting. Um, I thought you were just going to like, you know, tell me what to eat and how much to eat and when to work out. And, and I'm like, well... If I would have told you what you were truly getting into, chances are you wouldn't have signed up for the deal because mm -hmm. in order for us to be consistent with exercise and nutrition, we have to get to the root barriers that are holding us back from being able to maintain that, sustain that in a way that is manageable and not overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Anybody can follow a diet, anybody can follow a routine, but the reality is at some point you stop. There's something that happens that keeps you from being able to keep that up. And therefore we fall into that vicious hamster wheel of then we self-sabotage and yes. then we're on the yo-yo diet wheel again. And so ultimately with my programs, I present them the plan, what I like to call the owner's manual. Here's your owner's manual. Here is the thing that's going to allow you to be able to be sustainable. All the pieces are there. But with the coaching part each week, that's where we really, really dive into the mindset stuff. And every, like it never fails. Every person by the end of the call is like, 
wow, I didn't realize how bad I needed to hear that or that I needed to take that into consideration and how that is impacting my ability to be consistent with um, exercise and diet. You know, it's really interesting. I specialize a lot with gut health, okay? Mm -mm. And so um, more often than less, I find that we have individuals who have like, oh my God, 20 minutes after I eat, I have all of this pain and I've followed FODMAP and I've followed plant-based and I've removed this gluten-free and dairy-free and da 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 And they're like, no relief. And ultimately what I, I'm always like, I already know the answer, but I'll talk them through the process, let them be able to come up with a conclusion. But ultimately what I find is it's usually environment related. Whatever is creating the problem 20 minutes after they eat is environmental related. It has nothing to do with the food that they're actually putting in their body. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had this really unique opportunity where I was able to work with a group of women at a specific corporation. And it was really interesting because each week I would talk to them and they'd be like, look, I'm doing all the things and I'm just not seeing any relief. And I'm like, okay, well, where are you eating your lunch? Whom is in the room with you while you're eating your lunch? And what I was able to pinpoint is that there was one particular individual that they were all having lunch with who was a chronic complainer. And her chronic complaining, all of these specific women were empaths. They were super feeling and sensing humans. And so when this woman would come in and start divulging all of her complaints, they all took it very personal. And within 20 minutes of eating their lunch, they were all sick, severe abdominal pain. It had nothing to do with the foods that they were eating. It had everything to do with this one individual that they were sharing the environment with. And so I individually made each one of them take turns removing themselves from the environment for a week. And then each one all of their problems were gone and wow. went back into the environment and then boom, problem again. And so it just goes to show that we really have to look at the big picture and we can't just take the foods that we're eating as the component that is causing X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Like definitely the environment is so important to take into consideration when it comes to our eating behaviors and habits and how they are ultimately impacting our physiology. So fun stuff. Yeah. That's such a funny story. I mean, it's so true, right? Like most people wouldn't even think to look at that. And that's why it's so powerful to have someone like, like you or I come in and be like, okay, let's assess the situation. Like observe the scene what's really going on here across the spectrum not just like one little column of what is going to impact how you're feeling right yeah agreed oh my gosh I cannot believe how fast the time has gone I was just thinking that I think you and I literally talk forever um but I do want to ask you a question because I know that you um predominantly focus on plant-based diet so Mm. I want to hear from you what brought you to that place of really um, adapting a plant-based diet and how it's been um, impactful for your clientele? Yeah. So I went plant-based vegan over six years ago and it was because my mother, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and had a double mastectomy the year before. I was really young and I was just looking for answers subconsciously. So I was very much like, 
I was terrified because I'd learned in my biology classes, I was like one in three people will get cancer. And I was like, my mom has cancer. It's genetic. You know, I am at greater risk. Like I can't have that be my future. Like there has to be something I can do. And it was just like this, like looming fear in the back of my mind. And so I went to cooking school in Copenhagen and one of our chef instructors there, he was vegan. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, you know, I'd heard about it before, but I was like, Oh, like maybe I need to take a look at this again. Cause he was like, I went plant-based because my family has a like a big history of cancer and heart disease too. And with a whole foods plant-based diet, you can reduce your risk of chronic diseases, including some types of cancer. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I did some research, I read some books and I was very much at that point, you know, I was open, was looking for answers. So I was suddenly open to receiving the answer when it, it you know, when it presented itself for me. Whereas in the past I was like, I, I was, you know, one of the biggest meat eaters you could have imagined, which is so funny now. Like my clients can't believe that they're like, Oh, but you've been vegan for so long. And I'm like, yeah, but we all start from somewhere. Right. So it was very much for health reasons that I got into it. And now it's just seeing how, you know, I was healthy at the time, but seeing how much more energy I had, how much better I felt in my body and how much more I aligned I became in my spirituality. It like triggered my spiritual awakening because I realized I had been living out of alignment with my, my eating style. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that was, it, it just really shifted my life, like on all fronts. And then it made me realize, I was like, okay, I want to share this with others. And, you know, I come from it with a very like non-judgmental perspective. My clients don't have to be vegan or go vegan. You know, I think it's great if you want to, but most of my clients, they come to me and they're like, I want to eat like 80 to 90% plant-based. Yeah. I'm like, that is a, if the majority of the world is eating 80 to 90% plant-based, we are going to have a drastically smaller environmental impact, right? When you're just looking at it from that way, it's not that everyone has to be vegan. And, you know, it's just like, there's so many things that we can do that are within our control where you don't have to necessarily be in this one, I guess, field or, you know, have a one label, you know, cause I know that's, it, it, it makes a lot of people feel very boxed in for, for right. good reason. Right. So I just think there's so much more, that we can all work together in that perspective. And that's why I really use the term plant-based because yes, I personally am vegan, but I'm not telling you to be, I'm not telling anyone else to be, I'm just saying we all should be eating more plants. So that's why I'm like so passionate about that approach because I know how much it can change people's chronic health outcomes, how much has changed my own life and how big of an impact it really has globally too. Absolutely. I myself wanted to be vegan so badly. And as a young, young child, um, I always followed more vegetarian practices, really didn't want to eat a lot of meat. Not sure why, especially when it came to red meat. Um, and then at 18, I get diagnosed with this kidney disease and find out, you know, IgA antibodies are playing a role. They have an yeah. certain proteins and response to them. And, um, so when I was in my early 20s, I tried to go vegan and ended up getting really, really, really mm -hmm. ill, like extremely ill. And that's when I discovered for my specific body and, and specific um, circumstances. And I find this is pretty common with a lot of women who suffer from autoimmune disorders mm -hmm. that trying to go vegan has a negative impact on them. And there are certain uh, animal proteins that are necessary that they have to get through their diet in order to be able to support their adrenal and their thyroid mm -hmm. function. And um, so anyway, it's kind of funny how each, you know, everyone, like literally each person is so different. I have gotten into so many heated debates with, you know, diehard vegans who are like, that's bullshit. And I'm like, no, look, buddy, 
it's real life like, like your body doesn't work that way like autoimmune right. disease is a whole thing and that's why i'm very much like i think a plant-based diet can be beneficial for the majority of the population but there will be people who have problems with digestion who have problems with certain proteins have very specific biological you know complications that means that it will not be 100 percent possible for them and instead of being so divisive like let's work together and focus on like what we all have in common you know mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I have one specific client. She um, is a celiac and it took them 20 years to diagnose her. Poor woman has gone wow. through hell. And when her and I initially started working together, um, the only vegetables she was eating were corn and mashed potatoes. Like those were the only things that she could tolerate. And obviously, you know, she was having a lot of issues with um, insulin resistance and glucose levels and triglycerides and her lipid panel was insane. And um, so I said to her when I had that initial call with her, I was like, can you imagine one day where you're able to like sit down and eat a salad and have a variety of vegetables? And she just was like, what the hell ever? Like, yeah, okay. And in, in la la land, that day will come. And we, I slowly progressed her and set her up for success. And so on our last call, we were chatting and she was like, so I had 15 different vegetables and fruit over the last week and I didn't have any issues and my bowels are in such a better place. And it's so exciting to empower somebody and give them the permission that they so desperately seek to be able to have that you know have a expanded diet like mm -hmm. variety is so important and so for me it's so fulfilling to be able to help individuals do things that they never imagined that they would be able to achieve and something as like for most people basic is like having a variety of fruits and vegetables in mm -hmm. their diet can mean so much to someone who has been restricted for so long and had such negative consequences when they would try and eat mm -hmm. those kinds of food. Um, to me, is like the most beautiful, rewarding thing in life. Yeah. Yes, we had carrots. Yeah. Broccoli and Brussels sprouts. That's so funny. No, but it's such a great point, and I mean, it really goes to show. Like, there are so many things we take for granted every day, right? Like. I was talking to one of my clients about this the other day. It's like, you have five senses that work. Like you have legs, you have all of your fingers, all of your toes, like just that right there. You can eat a variety of fruits and vegetables. Like that is something that really is such a privilege that we have. And we are, you know, when you come from things with a place of gratitude, it's like, there's so much that we already are able to do. And, and just hearing about that story, you know, that's so impactful for one person because they couldn't do that. Right. It's exciting. Um, well, I, I cannot believe how fast time has gone by. You and I could talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. I really do foresee us having some form of collaboration in the future. I was thinking that earlier. I was like, there is something cooking up. <laughs> I can feel it intuitively. I'm getting the vibe. So mm -hmm. let's definitely connect and see what we yes. can come up with. But in the meantime, tell everyone how they can find you and follow your journey yes. and all the exciting things that you're doing. Yes. So good. So I am on Instagram. I'm at passion for plants and I'm really active in my Facebook group, which is plant-based like a pro. I do lots of live video trainings in there. Lots of fun stuff going on. Um, I'm launching a group coaching program right now for sustainable weight loss as well, which is really exciting. So 
Those are the two best places to connect with me. Excellent. Well, I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes so that everyone can easily find you. I'm so grateful for you taking time to um, connect with me today and chat with the audience and talk about all of these, these clinical and health and wellness concepts that, um, are so, so important that we have conversations about and we have to keep having these kind of conversations so that it triggers something inside them to say, uh, maybe I need to question. Maybe, mm-hmm. I, maybe I do need a second opinion. You know? Yeah, totally. Just that in itself, we've already like served a purpose and um, you know, done, done our work. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate all of your knowledge, your radiating beauty and energy. You are just an awesome human. And I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity to have this conversation. And I feel that we will be collaborating in the future. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on, Heather. It was so fun to be a part of this. And so it was such an honor to speak with you about all of these topics because it's so important, like you're saying. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.